Hey everyone, I'm Amadal Yakbar and welcome to season four of See Something Say Something. this episode, we're going to be talking about a few different things. Mass surveillance, memes, of course, and also maybe talk through a few stories where white media folk tried to support immigrant voices, but really just totally otherized them. So I've asked on news curation editor, Sara Yassin. Hi, Sara. Hello. And our favorite legal counsel, Nabi Hassayed. Yay! Um, we're going to start with halal or not, even though we haven't done that in a long time, because Yay. old yeah. is good and new is old. But no, in 2018, it's 2018. 2018, everything is haram. Got like, it. Got to adapt for the times. Yeah, you know, got to keep up. These two mullahs agree. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> two out of two mullahs. Yeah. Isn't that, am I not a mullah? No. I'm, I'm being excluded from mulladum. Do you want to opt in to mulladum? Because I have an online course you could take. Actually, Nabiha and I vet them all. Yep. We are the master council of Mullah online courses. <laughs> so, halal not's easy. I'm just going to give you a word or phrase and you just got to tell me your opinion on it. Do you like it? Up or down? Halal or not? Those are the valences. Okay. First off, Nabiha, what do you think about that? Boston Dynamics robot creature that opens the door with its nope, head. Nope. Mm, just bag full of nopes and an extra haram on top of that. Do not want this. No robots in my future. I'm not trying to live in Westworld, and this is just starting it. I don't know why they made it look like a dog. Why did it have to look so dog-like? No. Haram. You seem like you're on the fence. I mean, I think that the robot dog is, like, just made me laugh. Like, I know everyone was, like, talking about how it's, like, the future, but I was like, I don't know. If that dog was intruding on something, you could break it pretty quickly. Fair. Would you own a robot pig? I mean, a robot pig would be cuter than a robot dog. Yeah, that's fair. Are you sure about that? I feel yeah. like a robot dog is kind of cute, but I just don't like the idea of, like, anything being able to open a closed door that is not another I just, person. I just feel like Without it's social gonna, norms. Yeah, I just feel like those robot dogs will be in a pack and they will chase me and that nothing good comes of that. You can't outrun the robot dogs. Robot pig, however, like what's it going to do really? It'll be cute. Yeah. No cute little, it'll be like a Paris Hilton style teacup robot pig. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so this next one needs some background. The Khan twins. They're these two 16, 17-year-old social media stars who went viral for some videos of them saying catfish over and over again and wearing colored contacts, and I guess they're like sort of models. I'm honestly pretty confused, and I want all of your opinions. Halal as hell. Because they are beautiful. You need new icons in 2018. Who will replace Ahmed Angel? The Khan twins. Allah has made this beauty. Who are we to challenge it? I mean, did Allah make those colored contact lenses? Those demon colored? Allah gave you those blessings so that you may stick them in your eye. Exactly. He made the science so you could make them so you could put them in your eye. Mullad. Done. (laughs) Consensus. There's consensus here. (laughs) Boom. Gavel. Nabiha, did you see that Photoshop where Obama has a retirement beard? No. It, like, looks really real. I'm going to show you right now. (gasps) Oh. I 
like it. I'm here for Uncle Barack in that. he. I feel like he is asking you to donate to the masjid. <laughs> he does actually look like the yeah. guy who's like, brothers, sisters, we're closing the door. No <laughs> one can leave until I get 10 pledges of $1,000. That's totally him right now. That's actually him. <laughs> That's true. And, or he's the guy that says like, brothers and sisters, someone has parked their car in brothers the emergency. Sisters. <laughs> you have parked your car in the emergency zone. You must take it out. This is an embarrassment for the ummah. Honestly, he's too chill. He's too chill to do that. He's yeah, just true. like trying to get the money. That is Uncle Obama. Yeah, I mean, he even has like a he's, his Barack name is Uncle. literally Barack. Yeah, Barack Uncle Barack. Barack. Do you think that like he went from the White House to like being like a Sunday school teacher? He's like, I am now the coordinator of your youth committee. <laughs> <laughs> do you guys actually do like Sunday school youth committee stuff? Oh at your yeah. Mosque? Oh, yeah, yep. I was a Sunday school teacher. <gasps> what? Yeah. I got That's in trouble. amazing, actually. I want to know more about that. I honestly did, like, very little religious education. I, I did a skit with the kids where they were the haram police, and it was a riot. But, yeah, after that, I didn't come back. <laughs> <laughs> did you do it in front of the adults, the haram police skit? I did it in front of everybody. So I had the kids, like, basically it was, like, one kid sitting there, and he— it was like supposed to be like Ramadan and he was about to eat a sandwich and the kid that I had playing the Haram police, he like ran from across the room in the masjid and he was like, police!" <laughs> and then grabbed the sandwich out of his hand and it was hilarious. But like my Islamic themed plays were not appreciated. I feel like the best antics happened at masjid school oh on God, Sundays. Yes. Honestly, like there was this kid named Bakir. So Bakir would take white pieces of paper, draw a black circle on it so it would look like an eyeball, and then put them in his glasses. <laughs> <laughs> so, like, to look like Bart Simpson eyes. And the teacher would always be like, Bakir, like, what are you doing? Wake up. And he'd be like, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. Every Sunday. So let me ask you a question. Yeah. Did you also, growing up, have people coming to your masjid with no apparent connection to anybody going, so what are your feelings on jihad? Uh, I went to the Islamic Society of Orange County, so there is, in fact, a This American Life and a lot of litigation. Oh, really? That. What? Yeah. Seriously? Really? Yeah. There, I mean, there were informants that went to the Garden Grove Masjid. And yeah. it became an actual thing. Because, like, we always suspected it, right? Mm -hmm. The reason why I'm asking this is because there's this meme going around. Mm -hmm. Have you seen the FBI agent meme? Don't even get me started. Oh, God. It's Whoa. become so mainstream. Oh, if you're not, it's like... Let me just read one of them so I can get, if you don't know this meme, Preparing then uh, we can um, just talk about uh, why it's uh, bothering some people on Twitter and now increasingly me. At first I thought it was funny and I, the more I see it, the less, uh, less I like it. So here's an example of a tweet. That's this FBI agent meme. Me peeling tape off webcam. Hey guys, what's apoptosis mean? Little FBI voice within my computer. Programmed cell death. Me. Thanks, Roger. Tell the family happy holidays. Roger, the FBI man. Will do. Please get more sleep. That's an example of one. Has like a million retweets. Um, and then it's like become, there's like, it's so common now. Um, so here's another FBI agent meme. It goes a little like this. My boyfriend leaves the room. The FBI agent in my webcam. No, I totally see what you mean. Me, right? He's weird today. How's your husband? FBI agent, he wants us to open our marriage. Me, that's rough, Janet. So as you can see, the FBI agent is somehow your friend, which is kind of weird. 
I have so many thoughts about this. One, that I kind of have whiplash because I distinctly remember being in college and my then favorite song and current favorite song is Biggie's Mo Money, Mo Problems. Not only because of the line, tap my cell on the phone in the basement. And I the, like remember being at some like situation where a number of us, like like all the Muslims were like singing that line to be like, yeah, we know that life. Like we know the phone tapped life. And people, yeah. I remember having white friends who were like, you don't really think that your phone is tapped, right? Like you're an American citizen. You're an American. They can't do that to you. And I was like, my name is Nabiha Binth Sayyid. Like, yeah. yeah, I got problems. It went straight from that can't happen to it's normal. These are human beings who aren't part of an incredibly violent big institution. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And also it's normal and they're just like, it's like a funny joke. And you have to do the work to challenge this. You can't just take it as a joke. So I started wearing hijab a little bit before 9-11. And, you know, being in North Carolina, there's it's an interesting place to be Muslim. And um, the FBI was on our doorstep pretty soon after 9-11. The thing that was really funny was that they knocked on her door and uh, my mom didn't open the door for them because she just saw some guys in suits and was like, I don't understand what's going on. Like September 11th just happened. Like, I don't know who these people are. But she was sitting on a part of the stairs where, like, you could see her through the, like, top window. So they were like, ma'am, we can see you. And she just didn't open the door. And then she called my dad and she was like, hey, like, you know, I think the FBI was at the door. And so my dad was like, oh, my God, they're going to think that we are hiding something. And so my dad found them. I don't I can't remember how he found them, but he talked to them. And so our phone line was like tapped for you know a few years and like as a high schooler I was telling my classmates about this I was like my phone line is tapped I was like it's super weird because like all of the conversations that you want to have as a teenager you have to have them knowing that someone is listening Mm. to your conversation and they'd be like totally unshaken by it they'd be like well if you have nothing to hide what's the problem like that why does it bother you so much I was like because it's weird when I have a crush on Jason I don't want everyone to know and by everyone, I mean an FBI agent. <laughs> Not even an FBI agent sometimes, right? Because there's been a lot of stories about, like, local police departments. Yeah. Yep. Uh, ACLU just had a, a lawsuit come to light against the Boston PD that mm-hmm. they were just doing blanket social media searches of young Muslim uh, men mostly in the area. Yeah. The other thing is that it makes it sound as if an FBI agent is just, like, just hanging out on your laptop, maybe around to answer your science questions. And as if that doesn't have consequences for like, I don't know, when you try to get global entry or when you go to the airport or like other things in your life, this isn't just a one-off interaction of them being on your camera. It's much more totalizing than that. It has all of these implications. And I feel like this just, it just misses the mark. Like if you have, if you're in a situation, say, where you have the same name as somebody who is a terrorist, then, you know, you... That's me right there. Mm. Yeah. Like how do you, how do you address that? There's no transparency at all. So like this thing of like, oh, I'm just chilling with my like, you know, assigned FBI agent. Like it's this totally like normal relationship. It's like, no, actually on top of the like mass surveillance is, is a human rights violation. 
It's that you actually don't know what's going on. And that fear and that anxiety like really does disrupt people's lives. Right. It's like that little voice in your mind when you're like, does he know that I like Jason? Yeah. <laughs> like, what's happening? Is that going to come back? I mean, I think you hit the nail on the head for me, right? You don't get to make the jokes and not also have to shoulder all of the burden and all the like, internal worry and the fear and the not knowing how this is all going to play out. You don't get both. And so if people want to opt in to the jokes, if you want to be in on that, then you need to be in on actually resisting this and doing yeah. something about it. But you can't have both. It's like, oh, let's reclaim the FBI agent. There's no like critical thought yeah. about it at all. Like it's so normalized for so many Muslims that like sometimes you even forget the levels at which you've been surveilled and don't know. Like there's a period of time where I wasn't allowed to get um, e-tickets because I would go oh, to the same. go to the, have to go to the front and check and they're like, sorry, you just have a name of like a really bad guy. <laughs> and I'm like, uh, I have the most generic name in the world. Yeah. Like literally three of the most generic names you could possibly have as a Muslim man. Did you get a redress number? Um, I did, and I don't remember what I did with it. It was a long time ago. So, Because mine only stopped when I got a redress number. I had the same problem. Interesting. So after I got a redress number, it all went away. And a redress number is basically a, the government checked you out, and you seem not to be a terrible terrorist number that you can put in when you're buying a ticket or you're getting your e-ticket. It's just like you, you get to be treated like a human, like everyone else in the Delta line. Here you go. Yeah, so something that's interesting about this meme is that it kind of feels like it's cutifying something that, you know, isn't very cute for a lot of people. You know, surveillance is a nightmare. And it's not to say that people can't make jokes, but it's it, it makes me feel a bit bitter when it's the present tense for so many people. Like mm. the thing that it reminds me of is kind of how drones evolve from being, you know, when you heard the word drone, you thought of illegal killings that were carried out, right? That was what you thought of. And then it evolved into, you know, this cute little robot that, like, sends tacos around or, you know, some people are flying around at the beach, which, of course, like, people have cute toys. People mess around with stuff. But in some ways, the fact that that word has become representative of something that is fun and benign when it actually used to represent something that people don't talk about enough is kind of hard to swallow. Yeah, I mean, there's still a real fear for people in America whose family members have been killed by drones abroad. And there are people who have been put in situations where they are forced to be an informant against their own community. Like an FBI agent is obviously like the way it's portrayed as like some, you know, white collar guy in a call center, like really can destroy communities, you know, and that's happening now. These are painful things. Yeah. I just, I think I'm still in like whiplash phase, right? If you look at the last 10 years, like first, surveillance is a thing that some communities, often communities of color, have gone through, right? Like definitely Muslims for the last 16, 17 years. But before that, right, lots of people in Black Panthers, Black Liberation Mm -hmm, Movements, mm -hmm. lots of activists, they've gone through this. And then, you know, we had the Edward Snowden disclosures, which really underscored how big of a problem the American surveillance state was. Then all these other little things. It's just really funny to see this momentous, I think, state abuse turn into a little joke. And then I struggle a lot with sort of building on Sarah's theme. I also have all this anxiety about like quantified selfie things, right? When people use online period trackers and put all of the food they eat into something. Mm. There's something around this norm of self-surveillance also that's deeply 
um, seems deeply troubling to me, but maybe that's just my own personal journey because I'm so. I'm I, never buying an Alexa. Yeah, I'm. Oh my god, Ever. are you joking? Like I'm gonna be like, yeah, cops come in my house. Here are my weird <laughs> songs that I have at weird times of night. Uh, no, but like it all feels like it's part of that, right? Allowing other, th- whether it's the state or private actors, into intimate zones of your home. Um, and of your life in ways that you don't know what happens with it downstream. I don't know what that's like because I'm never going to experience it. I don't know if I'm missing out. I don't know if I'm not because I can't even get there. I won't buy an Alexa either. I mean, I think that it seems like a cool toy. But, you know, I feel like if you grew up Muslim in this country, you have scars around devices that are listening to you. And Mm -hmm. you're like Mm -hmm. placing this thing in your home And I think the thing is, the other thing with this meme is that there's no consequences from these things, right? Right. You're like asking an FBI agent in these theoretical situations, like, help me with my homework. There's no combative relationship. And I actually had a really interesting conversation with a friend of mine um, years ago where we realized that she and I had very different relationship to the police. And I feel like this is very similar, Mm -hmm. where for me, I'm... I've always been terrified of the police, like always scared of the police. And that came from my parents, particularly my mom, which like makes sense because she grew up in the West Bank. And so if you've had any kind of a history where you've had to deal with arbitrary arrests or like force from officers or anything like that, you pass on that anxiety to your children. And so I've never seen police as someone that protects me. And by extension of that, like I don't see the people that would be surveilling me as people that are protecting me. I would see them as people that are trying to twist something about me because, you know, you you kind of see what the product is and the impact mm-hmm. of that in the community. I think there's also been a broader shift related to the obvious surveillance of mosques in in communities. Like, for instance, if you go to a mosque now versus like 2000, they will be like significantly less political. There'll be no commentary on Mm -hmm. political issues. People have been trained that like we are being listened to and this has consequences for our community. If you say solidarity with my Palestinian brothers, let's say Mm -hmm. even something like that um, or something anti-American imperialism, which in many ways should be like freedom of expression and religion Mm -hmm. that should be protected. But it has become so problematic for so many communities to engage in it. And we are a politicized community. Like, how can we not be? It just feels like there is no safe space to express oneself. And the intrusion of these kinds of devices into one's home or the idea of your phone, your landline from your home reduces that zone even more. Right. You can't even know if you can talk about this in your own home. And you can't in your religious space and you can't when you're outside and you can't with like a new person who just happened to show up at your mosque that day. You don't know about anything. And that is chilling. If no one is suffering that you can't take the jokes if you're not going to suffer with me. You can't have them. They're ours. Goodbye. If if you were going to make an FBI agent joke of your own, like a Muslim one, what do you think would be the punchline? It would be me punching the camera on my computer. That is is my joke. My joke is I punched it. Which, Goodbye. by the way, kids, definitely put some tape over your, your webcam yep. at home. I mean, do we make it benign if we were making an FBI Muslim meme? Because then you could have the, the that the FBI agent is Muslim and they start correcting your Salah style. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. There's but already surveillance fedger. aunties and uncles at the mosque <laughs> yeah. as it is.
So there's two stories this week that I wanted to talk to you guys about. I think they're kind of indicative of the way the media conceives of immigrants. The first one is a tweet from New York Times journalist Barry Weiss. She shared a story about Team USA's Mariah Nagasu, who did a historic triple axel, but her shared text was, immigrants, did they get the job done? Of course, the problem here is that Nagasu is not an immigrant herself. She's the child of immigrants. And people really drag Barry. It's just like that reductress article, you know, that one that was like, wow, this woman doubled down on an ill-conceived tweet until it became her entire worldview. That sums up the whole thing. And here's what she said afterwards. Do you need another sign of civilization's end? (laughs) (laughs) No, but I do need a barf bag if you're going to keep going with this tweet. Here's one. I tweeted, immigrants, we get the job done with a video of Mariah Nagasu's triple axel. The line is a Hamilton reference. Mm. I know she was born in Cali. Mm. Her parents are immigrants. I was celebrating her and them. For this tweet, I'm being told I am a racist, a ghoul, and that I deserve to die. So I deleted the tweet. That's where we are. Which I don't think most people were saying that. Most people. No, you can look in her mentions. You can you can have receipts. Ain't nobody saying that she should die. I mean, I don't know what they're saying off Twitter. I can't speak to that. But I saw that and was like, I put on my like Nancy Drew hat and I was like, in research time, who is telling her that she should die? Nobody. It's also like nobody. It's also yeah. again this like privilege thing that we've been talking about the FBI agent meme. Like if you're a Muslim woman or an immigrant woman saying anything on the internet, yeah, listen to my voicemail. Your DMs are full of people telling yeah. you you deserve to die but all also, the time. It's like I had my one from today was, uh, "You hairy Pakistani cunt," oh my God. blah 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 on blah. You should leave America. And I was like, "Excuse me, excuse me." My laser technician has a lot to say about that, <laughs> and that isn't correct. So you should just go home. Thank you. You're like, you this is done. Voicemail? Oh, yeah. My work voicemail is oh full God. every two days oh because I'm sorry to be people have thoughts about me. But, you know, it's, it's what you were saying. We live with it. Yeah. I mean, I think the other thing is, too, is that it kind of says everything, that the end of civilization comes when people are held accountable for the things they say on the internet about other groups of people. Like, hmm, horrible world, sad, slippery slope. The people you talk about and are racist about can tell you what they think. Wow, what a bad world. Like, it's just like, this is what free speech <laughs> is. Like, this is what free speech is. You want to have the freedom to get out there and say whatever you want. That's cool. But also, we're all free to drag you, which we're gonna when it's foolish. Well, yeah, yeah it's it just also like how, it, like, immigrants can be just used as, like, virtuous signaling. Like, she was trying yeah. to be like, I'm a great person because yeah. I support immigrants. Right. You don't get to ever belong, but, you know, because I recognize you and think that you have humanity since you're, I don't know, successful at this global performance sport thing, um, then you're okay. It's, I just can't. It's kind of like when I was, so when I was in hijab, there's this weird thing, like, I, I don't know how to explain it, and I don't know if you guys have, like, experienced this before, But when I was in hijab, there was this really weird thing where, like, people would smile at me as if they were doing a good deed. Like, Mm, it was, like, this strange mm, thing where, like, I could tell that they were, like, patting themselves on the back for smiling at me. I would, like, always not know what to do with this. And because I was in North Carolina, I was like, well, they're not yelling raghead at me, so Mm. I guess I'll smile back at them. But, like, I feel like one thing that's really 
telling about that whole situation is that it's like you don't get to decide when you're a person of color, right? Mm -hmm. Like you don't get to Mm -hmm. decide when you are from a different background. And it's only good if someone else can use it as like some kind of cred or some kind of thing. Like, you know, and I've, I've talked about this a lot where like once I stopped wearing hijab, I started I started looking white. And then nobody had anything to benefit from, you know, me being, you know, from a Muslim background or whatever. Like I I had, you know, it was really bizarre to go from like people would constantly tell me I wasn't American and I had to prove that I was American. And then Mm -hmm. suddenly just like taking off a hijab like basically made people go, oh, but like you're American. Why do you say you're Palestinian when like you're American? What's why do you even say that? You just say that to sound special. And it was like the most angering thing because I was like I cannot believe that it is this blatant how Mm -hmm. like messed up this is there was another story that came out which was getting dragged a lot on social media which was a local news station asked Iranian American fashion blogger Huda Katabi to be on for an interview about her work which is about like Irani street fashion. This She's, is the best clip. Everyone yeah. should watch it. Like, pause this and go watch it now immediately. We're gonna actually, we can actually play it for the audience. Great. So, so don't, don't go, don't go anywhere. <laughs> Just stay tuned. Um, but Listen up. Basically, she it's was the best. supposed <laughs> to be interviewed for her blog, but it, instead it turned into the, like a bunch of. It was speak- like a skit. <laughs> it was like a skit. And we were looking back at some pictures mm-hmm. in Iran and how cosmopolitan uh, some of the major cities were. Do you think you want? You would like to see Iran go back to that? Let's talk about nuclear weapons. Okay. Our, our, our viewers, <laughs> some of our viewers may say, we cannot trust Iran. Do you know about nuclear weapons? And then can you Person talk of about color here? nuclear weapons? Like, <laughs> she was expected to know about that. And, and then the thing, the real kicker was like, you know, you don't really sound American. In by the United States. A lot of Americans might take offense to that. You're an American. You I, don't yeah. sound like an American when you say that. You know what That's I mean? That's because I've read, you know? Yeah. And I think that it's really important that we look beyond sort of these, these really simple narratives that we're told, whether it's about Muslim women, whether it's about the legacy of this country. I don't sound American because I read yeah. is an excellent excellent clapback. I feel like it got lost. And credit the... to her, she kept really on her message. Oh, she, she was great. called out American imperialism like mm-hmm. consistently. But that's what happens. You're like having a conversation and then you don't realize like what's rattling around and the cultural perception of you and you are caught off guard, you know? But what does but what does fashion blogging have to do with nuclear deals? Nothing. It has nothing, nothing to do with it. Like it would have been her right to turn to the presenter and be like, I don't know. Is there any fashion on these in these nuclear deals? Because that's what I'm here to talk about. So I don't even know why you're asking me this. And there's like this like it is this like insane thing where people are like, hmm, you're a Muslim. You must be able to comment on the foreign affairs of the situation. Like when I was 15 and like people were like, well, what do you think about Osama bin Laden? And I was like, Osama bin who? It's like it's like, oh, hello, a person from another land. Tell us more about your mystical land, including its politics, food, clothing, culture, music and everything, because I can't Wikipedia that myself. You must tell me. Also, it's local news. okay? (laughs) like like what local news broadcast ever needs the question. So what about Iran's nuclear weapons? Yeah, (laughs) but I think she was a playbook of how to respond. She didn't get mad. She was she's so charming. She threw some like shade and clap back in there. Yeah. Stayed on message and was so graceful. And I just I turn into like 
just like a drooling, crazy person in those situations. <laughs> and so I just kept watching her clip over and over again to be like, next time, Nabiha, just the subtle clapback is the way to live. I think we're also trained to be like nice to these questions. Mm-hmm. Like we have to like be palatable. Otherwise, our message will be lost. Right? Yeah. Or as if we have to presume that they're ignorant and that they had no burden to ever learn anything. And we're mm-hmm. here yeah. to be magical genies that teach them things. I mean, I think the thing is that... I mean, I am a magical genie. I, I mean, yeah, I don't, I don't want to take that away from you. <laughs> I know. I mean, I really, I respected how she handled it, too. Mm-hmm. Like, I thought she did a great job. I mean, for me, at least, when I when I was wearing hijab, it was like people constantly asked me questions, and I felt that I had to, like, answer every single question because I was like, mm-hmm, what mm-hmm. I say is going to influence what this person thinks of all Muslims. And people used to ask me really messed up questions. And I remember one time I was trying to get on the bus because I was late for class, and this guy was like... Hmm, do you think that your your headscarf is a is a tool of oppression? <laughs> why was you Kermit on your bus? <laughs> like why was a Muppet on your bus? First question. <laughs> it was a magical school okay? her <laughs> talent with accents. I know. We how, all admire so much. That's how I so roll. Much. But yeah, like I I started to realize that like, you know, I would I would just patiently answer these questions. I remember I was like late to class because I had to answer this thing. Or like one, you know, people would I did not know would come up to me. I remember I was like, I don't know, standing with my friends and this guy came up to me. He was like, let me tell you what your Quran says about Christians. I was like, you're going to introduce yourself, maybe say your name. I don't know. Like trying to eat my sandwich, my friend. Yeah. But they're not calling you a raghead. So you're like, all right, well, right. you're like, it could be worse. So I'm going to go with this. <laughs> and yeah. it, it is continuing to get worse because right? there are literal Nazis everywhere mm-hmm. and whole movements dedicated to eliminating us. From the country. It's true. I think the ones that I struggle with, um, less in the media context, because I think in that clip, like if you're going to have someone on your show, burdens on you to like have some sense. But random person coming up to you eating a sandwich. I feel really bad when it is a person who seems extremely, extremely well-intentioned. It's very eager. Like, I know that what they're doing is stupid. Excuse me. Do you have Wikipedia? Please use it. But it's hard for me to get mad in those moments. I mean, I never got mad. That was the thing. I was so patient. And, like, people would ask me really dumb and sometimes, like, really offensive questions. And I'd be like – and I would answer all of them, like, extremely patiently. Like, I'd never lose my cool. I would always be really nice. And it was interesting because we just – like, I was was talking to a friend of mine about, like, just having arguments about, you know, kind of – you know, with, like, people that are racist. And she was like, oh, well, like, you know, you must – you must like she's like I can't handle that like you must like love that I was like it's not that I love it it's that I know how to handle it like I was like I like I have I have like extremely thick questions Mm -hmm. yeah I mean like people people are questioning my like my right to exist as a human on like multiple levels so I'm pretty chill in my handling of these things unfortunately um did you all see her follow-up no, Not I the blog. Know. She actually got re- the station reached out. Yes, I love this. <clears throat> so they called, and I'm going to read her tweet. WGN just called, and Robin, the female anchor, sincerely apologized. I accepted and proposed a few ways to fix this. I love this. One proposal I suggested, of course, is for WGN to publish a reading list I put together and do an on-air interview where we discuss what happened for their audience, what went wrong, and then talk about Fanon, Asada Shakur, Edward Said, etc., and American imperialism. If we're going to publicly educate, (laughs) let's educate you the right way. So she follows up that the apology was important, but it's also important to be able to use the moment as a teaching tool and prevent it from happening again. And she doesn't mean a teaching tool in the sense of like, I think the way a lot of 
the way Muslims interact with media can sometimes feel like, which is like the basics. It's like, no, we want to educate on a political mindset as well. Yeah. That is fearless. Yeah. You no, that's, I mean? that's awesome. Especially knowing that it's, um, you're right, it totally changes the landscape, right? It goes from being defensively, let me explain to you why I'm justified in being here, to your mindset is maybe not as broad as it needs to be because the whole system and structure that you live in that has made you think the way you think is wrong. So let's start there. There's something really subversive and brilliant very about subversive. about yeah. doing it that way. I found almost everything she said in that interview very subversive for like uh, a. Can I tell you? Uh, I just interview. kept watching it over and over again. I was like, this is the best thing. Uh, Sarah, where can people follow you on Twitter? Great question. At <laughs> Sarah, S A R A, Yasin, not Yasin. Y-A-S-I-N. And Nabiha, where can people follow you? At Nabiha Sayed, N-A-B-I-H-A-S-Y-E-D. I just want to give Nabiha a shout out. She always says that she's bad at Twitter. And anytime I tweet about something sad, she's like right there. I love when Nabiha swans in on Twitter because it's just like a, like a it's like a little swirl of tweets. And then she's like, all right, I'm out. Uh, I'm out for the next two weeks. Well, this thing is going to lie dormant for well, the Because I don't have the Twitter app because I think it like sucks away my mind brilliance. And so I have True. to log I have to log on and use it and then I just get mad at it where I'm like why why do these people keep having thoughts they keep having more thoughts their thoughts never end it's like in every sci-fi anything where there's that one episode where someone can all of a sudden like hear everyone else's thoughts and they go crazy oh my God. that's how I feel about Twitter like that's I can hear all good. their thoughts and now I'm losing my mind <laughs> I just can't stop making bad jokes your jokes are excellent oh. they are noble and brilliant. Thanks for joining us, guys. Thank you for being the most excellent and noble person. <laughs> That's a lot. May Allah, <laughs> may Allah bring you grace and blessings. <laughs> Alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. <laughs> Alhamdulillah, my brother. I have insights. This episode is produced by me, Megan Dietry, Rona Akbari, and Nina Patak. Additional production support from Sara Yasin, Nabiha Sayed, and the Pod Squad. Our music is by The Kaminas. You can find them at kaminas.bandcamp.com. You can find me on Twitter at radbrowndads and on Tumblr. Email us at saysomethingatbuzzfeed.com if you want to talk. You can find my writing at buzzfeed.com as well. Leave us a review on iTunes so more people can find us, please. I'm Amadal Yakbar. Thanks for listening. <laughs> <laughs>